Welcome in to Your Retirement Untangled with Andrew Nida and Mo Param. Welcome to Asset Management Group's private client podcast. Andrew Nida here with Moise Param. Guys, we hope that you are doing well March 10th. And uh, man, year's going by super so fast, fast and it's been a pretty wild, wicked week. Soak the rich, baby. Soak the rich. What are we talking <laughs> is that what, about? Is that here? what we're calling the uh, the budget? That's what he called it. Soak, Soak the, the rich. rich tax plan. Unbelievable. I don't know. It could be the headline I read, but this is garbage. Can we say that? You just did. Yeah, I did. And it's I agree. garbage and it's flipping ridiculous. Um, yeah, so anyway, a lot of the noise coming out this week, that, that was just one of the major you know, headline hits was this new tax plan that's been proposed by the current administration. And, you know, whether right or wrong from a, let's just say it's wrong. Okay. It's just wrong period. And it won't get pushed through. There's no way. I think what's more problematic with me is how, how something like this could even be thought about or considered, you know, as an example, how do you, how do you justify an increase in, in corporate tax rates at six, 7%? I mean, for, for many of you guys that are business owners, VPs, heads of organizations, okay? Now, I'm, I get it. I get it. There are large mega institutions that, that may not be paying a fair share at the corporate level. But our economy, like the majority of our economy is not operated off major institutions. It's operated off small business. That's how the U S economy works and small business most often takes excess rev and, and does what they have always done best, which is reinvest in their services, reinvest in their organization, hire staff, increase payroll or wages for staff. I mean, it's, it's focused on enhancing the value proposition, the value that the company offers and so increasing the tax hit, where do you think it's going to go? You know? I mean, was the owner supposed to just eat the cost? Yeah, and just say, yeah, I'll do my service and just pay the taxes. And most of the times in those situations, you, you you would expect that these corporations are going to, you know, maybe increase the the the, the price of their services, increase the price of their goods, Yeah, which, which would, ends up which trickles, would... trickles down to us. Inflation problems. Inflation problems, right. 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 And, and of course, you know, when you can't afford the product that they have to increase, then you're talking about the, the lack of sales, lack of margin, and then the reality of, of job loss, et cetera. Like it, it all matters. It, it affects everybody. It, you know, these rules, they're intended to affect the wealthy, if you will, but it doesn't, it yeah. hits everybody. And, and, and the wealthy is not even the wealthy anymore. Yeah. Okay. The, they're defining this at what? 400,000, 400,000, 450, you know, the, I, I, again, 400,000 is a great living. It's a great living. It's an amazing living, right? But I I wouldn't consider that wealthy. It's not high net worth, it's not wealthy. Yeah. You know, you live in Atlanta, you live in New York City, you live in Los Angeles, you live in any type of uh metropolitan area, $400,000 is not considered wealthy. Yeah, you know, you're, you're making a great living. You're making a great living, but you have two, three kids, maybe college, you know, college, you got a lot of expenses, you got you got high super super high prices of homes and in real estate. And I mean, it's a great living. Don't get me wrong, but it's not high net. They don't, they sell it as if they're hitting like the, the bottom 1% of the population and they're not, Yeah, they're not. Uh, you know, one of the other things that was kind of absurd in this was how they were going to handle capital gains. Number one, trying to increase capital gain rates for people that make over 400,000 a year households. 
uh, to 40%, which is absurd anyway. And then, and then also, um, now this would never happen, but the potential taxation on unearned or unrealized, unrealized non-realized gains. gains. How do you, yeah. So well, I haven't sold the stock, but you're going to tax me on growth of it. That's like, that's like, <laughs> that's like your favorite clothing store making you pay for the shirt you pick up and take to the dressing room just to try it on. <laughs> like what the heck? I mean, how does that, well, it's just, where's the logic uh, at? Like, how does that even get presented? Even restricting retirement contributions for those making 400,000. So you can't even, you can't even contribute to retirement accounts with certain retirement accounts. Yeah. So I, I don't get it. What about, uh, not to, not to shift the gears too quickly, but, what? uh, I'll get, I'll get frustrated and angry. And so I don't want to go down that road. Okay. Silicon Valley bank. Oh, not good. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Major financing institution, <laughs> major tech supporter down, down big $39 a share, $40 a share from where over uh, 300. Yeah. Just about just shy of 300 early earlier this week. Mm. Yeah. It's uh it's been a wild week, guys. A wild, wild week. Mortgage rates doubled from last year. Uh, getting close to seven percent on the average thirty-year mortgage rate. Unemployment went up, three point six percent. Three point six percent payroll. That's garbage. I don't believe it. Payroll. Let's see increases. Let's no. see the, re- the revised numbers. Listen, if you, what's what's funny is a lot of times this information gets released, and what's what's what is hilarious to me is that it initially gets released. Everybody panics or gets totally motivated. You see massive uh, activity and massive range in the markets. And then, um, and then it gets revised seven days later and nobody says anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, eh, no, sorry. We didn't have wage increase. We had wage loss. Oh, (laughs) and nobody talks about it. But anyway, in short guys, it was an interesting week. Nonetheless, um, and, and, but, but it, we, we were talking last week about something that really goes along with all this. And that is having confidence and getting confidence in, in the strategy that's being deployed to support your, your ultimate and overall plan. And it goes far beyond just the mix between stocks and bonds and ETS, mutual funds, reach futures options, whatever we're using. It, it actually, a lot of this lies into the way that we perceive and react to our investment strategy. And so we, we, we threw this out here last week. Many of you guys took advantage of it. We want to do it again. Uh, Mo and I are working through a book called the laws of wealth, and it's a more of a behavioral finance type message, but it's one that we would absolutely love you guys to participate in if you want to. And many people already have, but for you guys that would like, like it, shoot us an email. Mo and I will, we'll cover the cost of the book and we'll email it to you. We'll mail it to you and uh, you can read it with us. But but this book is breaking down some important parts. We want to introduce some some of the topics today. And it's just it, it what we're going to talk about is how different we are naturally as people and our natural response to just various things and elements of life and uh compared to the way that we should be when it comes to investing. And so here here's the first kind of paradox. Um you must invest in risk assets if you are to survive. We know that, right? Right. We know that inflation is incredibly a, a challenging proposition that we have to overcome. Um, we need our money to sustain purchasing power long term, which means the only way to do that is to invest in risk assets, right? It's the only place that we're going to get the consistency of return over time. But we're not psychologically equipped to invest 
in risk assets. Mm. We're not. That's big. That's big. That's and so I want to read this statement to you that, that Mo and I are going to break down here. And here's what it says. The world of the investor is one in which the future is more certain than the present. The future is more certain than the present. Doing less work trumps doing more. And the collective is less knowledgeable than any single participant. Mm. So let's break down the first one. A future more certain than the present. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in our natural day, natural occurrences in life, we have more certainty in what's going to happen now, right? The present. We have more clarity, more certainty what's going to happen now than, say, two two years, three years, five years, 40 years Give from now. Give an example of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's Friday right now. So I want to ask you, Andrew, what are you and Amy doing this weekend? Yeah, I would I would have a good handle on what we're doing. Good well, handle. I mean, after all, you guys should know too, because we bought a house built in 1899 and we're wrapping so, it up. So we know what you're doing. In, so we know exactly what we're doing this weekend, what part of the house we're going to be working on. Right. Um, yeah. Good, good, good sense of clarity. But if I were to ask you, you know, what are you and Amy and the kids doing five years from now? Oh, I don't care what the kids are doing. <laughs> 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 Me and Amy? Uh, let's see. I don't know. Yeah. Beach? No, literally no, today. No, I have no clue. <laughs> literally March 10th, you know, 20, right. whatever, 28. What are you doing? You don't know, right? Um, but in the investor's world, there seems to be like this certainty of what the future lies in them and mm-hmm. then some uncertainty about the moves and the decisions that they make today. And so th- there seems to be this, this type of, uh, of gravitation towards we know exactly where we're going to be heading down the road with so much clarity and so much uh, predictability that today's decisions are somewhat, you know, almost irrelevant. Mm. Yeah, that's huge because when I th- when I think about that, like as 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 financial planners, number one, and as people, um, I take a lot of pride in having a good idea of what's happening tomorrow. Okay, now plans don't always go my way, right? But but I do find at peace knowing what's happening, right? And so we do tend to cling on to that oftentimes in, in things that we do and, and restaurants we eat at and plans that we make. But in the investment world, you're right. We're challenged to do the opposite, to basically say we have no clue the reality of tomorrow. We don't even have great certainty of the reality of the next two weeks, three months, 12 months. But our certainty doesn't come in the next six months to 12 months. Our certainty comes in long-term investing, which is the opposite of what you're saying, the way that we naturally think. And, and to provide a little bit of uh, financial, like statistical data to support this type of thought, if you look back over the last hundred years of investing, you know, you hear people say, stay invested, stay invested, stay invested. Well, if you look at like a one-year return during the last hundred years of the market, the worst one-year return, okay, 365 days, 50 3%. That was the best return. Best Sorry. Return. Positive 53%. The worst was negative 43. Okay. Short term, extremely volatile, right? Up 53, down 43. That was the worst of one year. The best and worst 25 year time frame range. The best, positive 14.7. And the worst, positive 5.9. Okay. That's what we're finding our dependence and our hope in. But it's challenging when it's just the opposite right. of the way we naturally think. Next one, doing less than you think you should. Mm-hmm. This one hits me personal, Mo, because you, and for you guys that, that do know me and, and for you guys that know the family, 
uh, you know, I came from a, you know, a, a grandfather who owned a business, his own company, my uncles owned their own businesses, my father owned his own business and own uh, missions organization. And so for me, it's just engraved that mentality of it's if it's to be, it's up to me, right? I got to go get it done. And, and to get it done, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more frequent. And, and that's what's necessary. And, and here in the investment world, when we're trying to protect an investment or we're trying to grow an asset, that type of mentality can get you in a bad spot. I need to do more. I need to trade more. I need to move money around. I need to be more reactive. And unfortunately, it's the opposite. Do less than you think you should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much, you know, if you think about the, what you talked about today, you know, all the news um, that were just today, right? The news that was re- headlines and that was released today. There's a lot of activity being done today, right? Either there's a lot of buying or a lot of selling, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, some people just trying to feel like they have to make some type of move, some type of change. They have to be continuously active, making a decision one way or another consistently over time. And what we want to do is make sure that we aren't overreacting. You're not overreacting. You're making rational decisions that that not to endure a a short term emotional gain that's going to lead to a negative result in the future. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it really is best to be still, to be still, be patient. Right. If you if you look at the I mean, there's studies that say that patience overall over more than fund management or asset management, just the fact of being patient adds more to one's overall investments. That is tough to do. Yeah. That's so tough to do. I want to read this story that kind of brings us to life. Listen to this. This is examining a goalie, a professional goalie in soccer against penalty kicks. By By examining 311 kicks... They found that goalies dove dramatically to the right or left side of the goal 94% of the time. The kicks themselves, however, were divided roughly equally, a third going to the left, a third to the right, and a third down the middle. This being said, the case, they found that goalies that stayed in the center of the goal had a 60% chance of stopping the ball, far greater than the odds of jumping left or right. Yet, goalies continue to be more dramatic and jump or leap to the left or right. And when I was, when I was reading this, I was thinking about this like, you know, the world cup, right? I mean, this, this is what it came down to. Okay. It came down to this one challenge of one athlete against another, knowing that goalie, knowing that statistically it potentially is better they still leaped, took a guess, a guess of which you only had a third of the chance of being right. Okay. They took that over half and you ask yourself why? Well, because think about how hard it is being challenged in that moment. You feel like the the, the game is on the line. It's all on the line. It's up to you. And the, the advice that your coach or your advisor gives do nothing. Stay still, be patient. Stay in the middle. I know it's distressful. I know this time is distressful, but just stay idle. That's tough. That's hard to do. That is very, very hard to do. Yeah, it just so happens to be harder for men. 
Because <laughs> that's true. Because statistically, a man is outperformed in investing. An average man in the study underperformed the average woman by 1.4%, and single men lag single women by 2.3%. Mm. Why? Men, egotistical, confident. We got to do something. Aggressive. I've got the right answer. I got it figured out. I got it figured out. My wife's never listened to this podcast. <laughs> no way. Uh, but true though. No, uh, no, good information. And 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 the point is, is the point in this message is not to not do anything, right? We're right. making moves, right? We're doing what we think is best. We're we're rotating asset classes or moving investments around, right? We're not being dumb with it. But but the reality is just to to, to be able to have confidence to stick to the process, stick to stick to the game plan. And then, yes, in many aspects, stick to the fundamentals of what market-based investing can do and will do for you long-term. All that is necessary. And don't get caught in this mentality that, you know, my retirement's tomorrow, so I'm a short-term investor, because that's just not true. Your money still has to work for you long-term. It's just the right amount and the right portion of your investments need to be exposed to the right uh, risk profile that's that's appropriate. The last one we want to cover, and then we'll, we'll close it out for the week, is following the crowd. So, Mo, what was the title of this one here? I'm trying. Far from the matting crowd. Yeah. What about that one? Yeah. Yeah. You know, think about in, in so many different areas, you know, to bring it home. Think about the last time you made a purchase on Amazon. And you know, recently I, we purchased some books from Amazon and I look, you know, first thing I always do, first thing I always do before I, I add it to my cart is I go down to the reviews, look and see what the what people are saying about it. You know, positive reviews, a lot of positive reviews. I'm, I'm, there's a high probability, high po- chance I'm going to purchase that item, yeah. right? Um, movie reviews, restaurant reviews, Yelp, right? We, we tend to take the, the advice as truth when, when you are looking at a group setting. Mm-hmm. And if the masses are saying this is true, then we naturally believe it. But when it comes to investing, sometimes, and it's been proven, at least within this book, that following the crowd, following the masses doesn't always pan out because there are some differences fundamentally when we are looking at picking a restaurant, picking a movie, picking a book to read mm-hmm. versus the data we can get from those decisions versus the data we can get from making investment choices Yeah, and, and using crowds or masses to make the decisions. You're, you're making a good point because, because when the masses know, it's typically a wrong thing to do. You think about like uh, what happened with the meme stocks or what happened with the crypto or what happened with, um, you know, it, it just the general market volatility, right. right? Markets down, the masses are saying, go to cash, go to cash, get on, get on the sidelines. Off, most often, and, and not just most often in our opinion, most often statistically, that is the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, but you're right. The problem is in the information. I mean, when, when, when I go to, we're traveling and I'm looking at a restaurant for, for Amy and I to go eat at, you know, what's, what's great about looking at a company that has a lot of reviews is the information is pretty relevant, right? Yeah. So it's, it, there's, there's a lot of reviews. It's very frequent and very relevant. And it's typically very detailed, even to the extent that you might get photos, you might get, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the, agitative words that that describe exactly how this meal was and the environment and the culture of the restaurant it's clear their message clear. is clear and concise but but unfortunately in investing it's uh it's oftentimes it's confusing mm-hmm. right I, I know a lot of people that that is invested in cryptocurrency they still don't have a clue what, <laughs> what the heck it is don't know how it works or how it works right so it's very confusing 
Um, it's typically massively delayed, right? So by the time you know, oftentimes the time that you know it's good, the markets have already priced that in because you're not the first one to, heard about, hear, that, to hear about it. And and it's it's not really quantitative. Like there's not a lot of data that supports the accuracy of it right now. Right. It would be like me going and eating at a restaurant and waiting three years and then posting a review about it. Like, but, but that's what you do. That's, that's what you would have to do with investing because you're not getting the date of the investment right then to know it's the best thing to do. Right. And if it was the best thing to do right then, you missed it. Right. So, it, so, but, but, but we don't do that. We as people like the idea of, of the comfort of following the masses, but so often statistically the masses leave us at a worse place, at a worse place. Listen to what, listen to what this says. They enter at the time of immediate pleasure and long-term pain. Mm. Everybody's experiencing great pleasure. Let's jump in. And all they experience is long-term pain. And then they leave at the time of immediate pain. 2022, 23, it's painful. I need to get out. Let's jump out. And what they sacrifice is long-term pleasure. It's that trade-off between cheap emotional comfort for enduring poverty. Say right? that again. Trading cheap emotional comfort for enduring poverty. Yeah, it's true. True. Behavioral finance. Guys, listen, how you approach investing emotionally is as, if not more important, right. than the investment choices in and of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week, controlling the controllables, right? One of the things that really adds um, probably the highest chance of success in your investment strategy is controlling what you can't control. That's right. And in some aspects, what we're saying, what we're saying today is if we can get a grip and control our emotions, our behaviors, and reel it back to what we know is fundamentally true in some aspects, mm-hmm. right, that in its own on its own will bring the most success over time. The compounding effect of making those right decisions will add so much impact to your overall success. Stick to the process and you need to have confidence to do that. And so one of the things that we have invested in, we told you guys uh, on the last week's show that we were in Orlando and just enhancing and and considering new options, new, new technology. And, and we're really going through a lot just to continue to magnify the, the value proposition that we can offer to you guys, the value and, and the service package. And, and so one of the things that we have recently invested in is a way of measuring risk, more so from not just a financial perspective, but also a behavioral aspect. And so we're literally going to work toward getting this uh, plugged into our system here so that we can release it to you guys, something that's coming down the road to walk you through, to show you, hopefully, that your investment strategy supports where you're at, not just mentally, but also emotionally. And, and if not, then of course we need to get realigned, right? So that's a big mission that we're working on right now to get this thing beefed up and ready to release to all of you guys. So uh, stay tuned and obviously keep your eyes out for that. But uh, we got anything else for the week? Uh, no, no. We've got, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all we're doing this week, uh, this week for the podcast. All right. Well, listen, you guys stay tuned. If you need anything, of course, always remember Asset Management Group, your team here, ready to work for you every single week. If you need us, give us a shout. Uh, Otherwise, we hope you have a blessed weekend 
and of course, an awesome week next week. Stay healthy, stay strong, do things to make the life better for others. Talk to you guys soon. Investment advisory services offered through Asset Management Group, a registered investment advisor. Andrew Knight and Moise Peran provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company or are offered through Asset Management Group. By contacting Asset Management Group, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.